Welcome to the Mislabeled Podcast, a podcast made by women, for women, and about women. Three ladies from different walks of life tackle the topics that nobody is talking about. So buckle up, babes, because here, nothing is off the table, unless you are on the table. Hello, this is Ashley Rogers with the Mislabeled Podcast coming in from Horizon West, Florida. I am joined here with Miss Jessica Villegas. Hello, hello. <laughs> and Dr. Shweta Patel. Cheerio. So I do have a super important topic to talk about today, and I am very hmm. excited to hear your takes on them. But first, I, I have a question for each of you. Oh, goodness. Here we go. That is <laughs> Ashley Rogers, the podcast derailer. If you were a dog, ooh, yes, a breed to match your personality. Oh, what would it hands be? down, it would be, I would be any of the wolf varieties. Husky, Malamue, Shweta was German shepherds, shepherds of all. I mean, I would probably just be the original dog. I don't know. The original dog? Original, like a wolf. Yeah. Very yeah. Shweta of you. Thank you. I don't know <laughs> what kind I, of I dog I would be. I would the be the actual beginning of the tree, the lineage, because all dogs are my spirit animals. Egypt was where they were first domesticated, not where they first came from, correct? I'll have to go back and watch Alpha to confirm that reference. Yes. I think I'd be a Labradoodle. Is that a thing? That's a thing, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I own a Chihuahua and I own a French Bulldog, but the Chihuahua is only a little bit of my personality because like she's really going after you all the time and I'm not like a nag like that, yeah. but I have a lot of energy like that. So, so like a Labradoodle. I, I totally loyal, want to say I agree with you. Yeah. Loyal, lots of energy, cuddly, but if I don't like you, it's clear. Yeah. It's pretty clear. They're always on point. Yeah. They woke up like that. Mm -hmm. No, that's not me. Sorry. (laughs) So no joke. I I just had a patient call and she has a Labradoodle who made a cameo in the background. And I was like, is that a poodle? And she's like, no, you know who you are if you're listening, by the way. She's like, no, I just get her cut like a poodle. And Uh the way I noticed a difference was I, I was describing to her like what I see as different in Labradoodles versus actual poodles. Poodles just like stare at you. (laughs) Yeah. The Labradoodles, they stare at you and then they charge, right? So it's like that combination of like, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Oh shit. I'm running around. I'm turning, chasing my tail. I'm like pouncing on top of you. And now I'm fine again. So (laughs) kind of like what you're describing, you know, like the Chihuahua all the time, not so much, but kind of with a great hairdo. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty they're, tell and they're so what soft and they're hypoallergenic. Yeah. Just like you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I brought this up because last night my husband told me that if I were a dog, I would be, and this would be a very, I've never actually seen this mix before. I'm sure it exists. A uh, Corgi German Shepherd mix. I've seen it. Okay. So we're not talking looks wise here. You know, we're talking okay. personality and okay. it's like, I'm super excited and love to meet you, but will also like strategically ruin your life if you come at me like a German Shepherd, you know? So I was like, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. So thanks, Fustin. It sounded like you kind of um, agreed with Fustin. I, I think I do. Yeah. 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 I actually know someone from a past life. She had rest in peace puppy 
a German Shepherd Corgi mix. And looks wise is definitely a good distinction to be made that you are not like, because it was a very odd looking animal in that its head just was not drawn to scale to its body. Like I literally had a German shepherd head in a corgi body. <laughs> that, that, that sounds like how my kids draw animals. Yeah. yeah. But personality wise, it feels like you just described the quintessential, the extroverted introvert. That is me. That is, yep, absolutely. <laughs> the dog version of an extroverted introvert would be a German Shepherd Corgi. Yeah. Ready to so, jump into our topic for today? Yes, yes. I'm super excited to hear what you have for us. Okay. So we are going to talk about how being a woman has affected the direction of your career decisions, what oh. you have chosen. As careers, what you have worked, maybe because you just had to work, your pay versus maybe your male counterparts, how the essence of being a woman has affected your career thus far. Who would like to start, Jessica? Uh, uh, Well, you know, I want to rewind back to when I was like a teenager and I was growing up in the South. It was very common to just talk about finding a wealthy husband or an, and being a stay at home mom, like that was just like the normal thinking pattern for success as a woman. I was born in the eighties. So it was maybe, and also being in the South just makes it a little bit different. And I definitely felt like moving into certain career fields wasn't for me because I wasn't a man. So like anything related to math, or anything related to business, because you saw in like engineering and like that kind of stuff, you just only saw men in the eighties and nineties doing those kinds of things. And if there were women doing them, they weren't highlighted in like the news necessarily. (laughs) I might, but you didn't see it. You didn't see it as much. So like that representation was super, super important. And it is for young people. But I think that you know, being in some sort of a nurturing role was part of the expectation as being a woman. So like working in food service or working in some sort of setting where I was doing something nurturing or providing some sort of support to someone else. It wasn't the other stuff I was talking about. I'm Is that the emoji? Is that the emoji? Yes, I'm so glad you got it. <laughs> I got it. The covering your face, peeking through your hands emoji. Yeah. That's what Shreed is doing. That's going to be my question for the next episode is if you were an emoji. Oh, geez. Oh, goodness. So you grew up in the setting where women didn't really aspire to these grander careers because it didn't seem like it was even an option, right? So how do you feel then as you became an adult that being a woman affected where you chose your career or maybe jobs that you had to take had to because of being a woman? Well, so I definitely started to kind of shed that belief when I moved away and just started expanding my worldview and living around different cultures and things like that, because I never felt aligned to that. I just kind of felt pressured to be in those roles. So I did end up leaving hospitality and going into the banking world for a couple of years and then into supply chain logistics and 
those two industries are very male dominated. And I thrived in those environments because I was around fantastic leaders, men and women, but I've always been more strategic and analytical in the way that I think and I approach like ideas and solutions and things like that. So being around more men helped fuel that for me. Wasn't necessarily a very inviting trait for other women because I came across as threatening or too, some people would even say that I was just too driven and I was too ambitious and I was too, um, too focused on like, maybe getting to the next rung on the ladder, getting the next promotion, which actually wasn't even true. I wasn't focused necessarily on the promotion as I was on the performance, which makes sense for what I do now. It was, you know, I was focused on the mindset and leveling up and becoming the best that I could be. And unfortunately, it just aligned more with the way that maybe more men than women might think and might approach things. So I've very much felt in my element ever since I moved into more of those types of roles. I'm not saying that those are only for men anymore. There's lots of women who work in logistics. It's beautiful to see in the supply chain industry, but it definitely wasn't a thing 20 years ago. So what was your initial reasoning for going into hospitality? Well, I started years ago as a teenager, like as a server and as a bartender and as a hostess, like I did all those roles. And then I moved into leadership roles in hospitality, in hotels, restaurants within hotels, but, or within a hotel, I worked at the same hotel for nine years, but it was just like a natural thing because you're serving and you're taking care of people and you're providing what they need for their comfort and their enjoyment, right? Being in that learning, right. That you should be a nurturer. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really why that those types of jobs appealed to me in my early years. And then I just stuck with it for like 13 years. I was doing that kind of job. What was the final push to leave then that corporate world that you had worked so hard in to then be an entrepreneur, which is a scary thing? Well, I had a lot of passions and interests that I knew I was really good at that never truly a hundred percent aligned with the roles that I was filling in the corporate world. And there really wasn't a place for what I wanted to do in the corporate world. I had mentioned it actually at a previous employer and it, it the whole life skills thing. And it was something that they found to be valuable and maybe wanted to develop. And then the pandemic came and some other things. I don't know, but I wanted to take the things that I really enjoyed and I knew I was really good at and build my own thing. And I wasn't afraid. I have one in my hand right now. I wasn't afraid of that. I wanted to take some risk and see if what I had in my head could be what I wanted it to be, what I could see in my mind anyway. And I strongly believe that if you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. That is an actual quote from someone, don't know, maybe Bob Proctor, can't remember. But I think that as women, we need to chase our visions more. We need to believe in ourselves Because if we're going with what society says and what the status quo says and what the expectations in our social circles are, we might find ourselves in a devastatingly sad place when we hit 40 or 50. And then we're looking back at our own children or other young people and we're saying, don't be afraid to chase your dreams. Well, did you chase yours? You know, you want to empower people through your experience and not, you know, through your regrets. 
And I think it was you that shared a quote a few weeks ago that I actually screenshotted and it like, it really punched me in the gut. And it was like, we are women who grew up in households where we could be told, we were told we could be anything we wanted, but our parents still had very traditional gender roles, right? So not only are we working the jobs, but we're also doing the majority of, you know, the typical woman load in the house as well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're chasing our dreams, but also doing all the things at home. Yeah. And I still do those a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's really frustrating sometimes because I would like other people in the house to see what I see that needs to get done. And my five year old literally said to me last week, Mommy, I'm sad that you don't get to rest more. Mm-hmm. Okay. First, she's just a really conscientious and just aware and smart kid. But she said that to me and I was like, oh, I hope she doesn't think that she has to do as much work as I am doing. But yeah, our kids see our stuff, guys. And back to the point I was making, like, like chase your dreams and believe in yourself and take the risk because there's no one that's going to do it for you. The princess movies I grew up with, thankfully, they're taking a different turn lately in the last 15, 20 years. But like there's no one out there. There's Prince Charming is not a real thing. You should live your dreams and whatever they are, believe in them and go after them. I love that. Mm-hmm. Right, Shweta? <laughs> Dr. Patel, are you ready? Oh my God. Very, very like doubly male dominated field of the U.S. Navy and being a doctor. So many things were coming up when I was listening to you both interact about this. and kind of working backwards, what Jessica was saying about, you know, you need to visualize and chase your dreams and go after it. Two things that came to mind were, you know, even the art of visualization is so critical in achieving what you are trying to achieve. You have to see it in order to be able to possibly even create a path to it. That's how I imagine even a blind person has to visualize and that's how they are able to traverse like the entire world and navigate what they need to navigate in order to get to where they want to go. So for anyone that's trying to take on a journey where their goal is not clearly defined, and it's one thing to be like, yeah, 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 no, I I, I know what I want to do, or I know what I want to become, or I know where I want to go. But no, like actually visualizing yourself being there, playing that role, how would you be different? How would you be impacting others? How do people respond to you when you're there? That level of like detailed visualization is, I think, really necessary in order to truly be able to then reverse engineer it into small, manageable, actionable steps to get there. Unless you're looking to just overwhelm yourself and not actually get there, which I think a lot of us do actively on a self-sabotaging level where you purposely just see how far the distance is instead of just how far the next step is. So going further back into what Jessica was saying, which is like, you know, having role models, it's not necessary. I'm sure there was some woman out there in, in the lineup of things that had to be the first one to do something. And then she became the subsequent role model for others, but oh, it sure darn helps. You know, it helps create that space for what's possible. And that space becomes so much more open Mm -hmm. when you see somebody already in it. And just like, I often say that, you know, we are the average of the five people we spend the most amount of time with. That's why 
when I see Jessica nailing it with her company, I suddenly feel very re-energized to step back and think about what I'm doing and what's not working. And the only logic that I have is, well, if Jessica can handle it, what am I stuck on? Why am I thinking I can't? And that's not to be like, oh, why can Jessica handle it? It's more like Jessica has now created a path for me to be able to visualize that this is possible. I'm just not seeing it immediately, but it does not mean it is impossible. And so same thing, like having that level of a role model to live into is pretty important. And with that being said, going back to the original question of like how being a woman has impacted our career choices. Absolutely agree with Jessica on that too. I sound like I have the biggest Jessica crush. I do. I we both do. We both do. Right? Like, just just want to pet her hair all day. I, think, um, I think you guys all, we all have crutches on each other. We totally do. It's a trifecta of just pure love. Romancing. Yeah. <laughs> so not seeing a lot of your own kind as in someone you can relate to. Close enough where you can see it being you, but far enough where you can see yourself accomplishing what they have. Mm-hmm. In essence, the upgraded version of yourself. Seeing that in physicality is a game changer. And in terms of the amount of what becomes possible for you in your own head, right? There's a reason kids grow up saying like, I want to be what my dad was, or I want to be like what so-and-so. And it has nothing to do with their age or what their gender is. It's just what they were brought up with and what they saw as possible. And so in the Navy, it definitely was daunting when I decided to join because, well, first of all, here's the funny thing. Talk about being a little self-centered. I literally thought I was the first Indian woman in the Navy when I joined. It was so cute. I can't deny how much of that may have played a role in my deciding to do it. I was like, oh my God, I'd be like the first whatever. Because that was just how in my immediate sphere, there was nobody that was in the military, let alone female in the military. But then the flip side of that is in India, being a military family is completely common. And I don't want to say not novel because it's still a very revered profession, but like it's not as unusual as it seemed to me being here and being someone considering the military. But that's just because I wasn't brought up with it. With regards to medicine, the opposite was true. It was like all I was surrounded by. In fact, the number of times people just presumed that I was going to be a doctor because I had a family where there was a lot of doctors, almost to a level of it being a little undermining, like as if you know that was just something set in stone, not a decision of my own volition. It's not a mm-hmm. difficult thing to right. do. Well, right. Like I was born with the MD gene, guys. Duh. It's not a hard test. Don't you didn't get it? Oh, it's okay. So I think that how it's impacted me outside of the the more common ways that we've been discussing the worthiness of some of the opportunities that come along and that I don't know whether that's because I'm a woman or if that's just because I'm me but that does play a role you know should I ask for a raise should I negotiate this position better am yes. I being reasonable yes. no <laughs> right I know one of the physicians that I refer a lot of my patients to, I consider her a good friend and a mentor. I remember her telling me, she's like, the first time I took on a job and signed a contract, you know, within two weeks, I realized that I was an idiot for having signed the contract as is. And she was saying how she 
very much learned quickly that you can negotiate anything and everything. And it's not rude. It's not impudent. It's not going to make you look a certain way as a woman or ungrateful or whatever. But all those things did get into her head at the time of her initial contract negotiation, or rather just I'm going to look difficult. I'm going to look like difficult to work with. Right. I negotiate for what I want or what's best for me. Right. Or fair. I don't appreciate fair for me. And you know, one thing I, I think is so important that women don't stop and think about is, well, first of all, you could be doing the same exact job as a man and be being paid 15% less on average, which I think is what it is 10 to 15% less. And you are choosing or needing, right. To bring this income into your home. It's your duty to maximize that for your family, just as it is a man, right? It's, it is your duty to you're exchanging your time and your talent for what you could maybe be doing, raising your children or pouring into your community or so many other things. It's your duty to negotiate everything that you can possibly negotiate. I wonder how much of the mentality in that debate of whether employers are fairly compensating women or men uh, on an equitable platform, I guess, or a level you can say. I wonder how much of the fact that, and this is not me saying I condone it or otherwise, that because men don't have the responsibilities at home as much as a woman does, they're more likely to be a more committed and hardworking employee and deliver more at work because they're not distracted. Well, I think so the, it should be, it should be these, a swap, right? Right. Like I feel like as an employer, you should be looking to be serious about hiring a woman because you're asking her to walk away from certain things, right? Like when I had to negotiate in a pretty well-paid role and my employer was not going to budge, even though I was getting my target I still think that there should have been more, right? Because there's always taxes that come into play. So when I wasn't able to negotiate that, I asked for vacation time then. Okay, you don't want to give me that 15% bump that I'm asking for in this negotiation, this offer, then I want 30 days because they were literally trying to give me 10. And as a director of a department, 10 days for a year, right? America. Then there's the other element of it which is how much of it is of our own creation. And by our own, I mean, as women, we create our own boxes into which we then grow into. Mm -hmm. And then we feel like our growth has been stunted. Isn't there some kind of a saying or a meme or something where it's like an animal or a plant grows as big as it's, oh, the shark in a pool, right? Like a baby shark in a tank, a small tank will only grow to be a certain feet. But if you put it in a like pool or a larger or the ocean, it can grow up to a hundred feet and nothing's different. It's just what they think is the limit to their growth. Uh, yeah. The box that you put them in. Yeah. And so we do going back to limit ourselves. Absolutely. I mean, like you were saying earlier, like, oh, I shouldn't ask for more or I'll come off ungrateful for this opportunity or it'll look a certain way. How much do maybe men consider those questions when they are negotiating? And I mean, as an employer myself, wanting to thrive as a business owner, I am going to be fair, but at the same time, I'm not going 
that's not true. I actually do dole out raises when I think somebody is worthy of them because I feel like it's only fair. But I don't blame other employers for not rolling out upgrades to a negotiation and waiting for it. Well, they didn't ask. And so... And they will. So back to that shark analogy that you just used. Well, you then are grooming the people that you are working for to expect you to accept a certain thing, Mm -hmm. right? So then they're like, well, this role, typically women will take it at this pay and typically men require this minimum offer, right? So they give you both different minimum offers and then you don't negotiate as a woman because you have all these limiting beliefs and the man will. So then they're offsetting that by what you don't ask for. They're giving to him possibly. Yeah. Here's a separate side of the equation that I I want maybe our, our listeners to consider just going back to what the original purpose of our podcast is to really make sure that we're helping women feel empowered and get centered and question whether they are doing what they can be doing to be, you know, live from an authentic place, be aligned and truly, you know, empower themselves to be happier, be more present, be more well. And Jessica, you were saying earlier, like, you know, there, your daughter was saying, I wish you had more time to rest. And you had mentioned like, yeah, I hope she doesn't feel like everything I'm doing is a requirement of her because of the common ground we share as being female. What about negotiating at home about all the tasks that you are feeling are your responsibility and you don't even question them anymore because if you don't do them, who will? And they are the tasks better done just by yourself rather than to explain it to the other people in the home, including your partner, male or female, your children, male or female. Instead, we as women take on this role that is expected somewhat, but is also reinforced by our behavior where we don't negotiate better for ourselves in our in the contract of our own home lives. Yeah. Like for example, in my household recently, laundry. I hate laundry more than anything, more than any other chore. I would rather scrub toilets than do laundry. Like there's just, there's five of us, right? And I was doing everybody's laundry. You know who has the most laundry? My 10 year old son and my husband. <laughs> and so I recently said, I'm only doing my laundry from now on and the two little ones, right? Because my two-year-old's, let's be real, not capable of doing his own laundry. He can help. But so you have to go into this though with there is going to be a period of being uncomfortable and there's going to be a period of mess, right? Like this is not just going to be a like, oh, well, okay, I'm just going to do my own stuff now. So what happened was I walked my 10-year-old through, this is how you do the laundry. He felt he's very smart. He's very capable. He can do it. So about three weeks went by. Mom, I don't have any clothes. Oh, you you don't? Why? Well, they're all dirty. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess you got to do your laundry. Dead as laundry because yeah. he literally didn't have clothes to wear. So, you know, there was that period of watching him wear some interesting outfits because it was the only thing that he had left in his drawer and watching the clothes pile up on his floor, just having to be okay with that because I'm not going to nag. He has to come to this realization on his own that nobody else is going to do this for him. I don't know. I think you're still shortchanging your two-year-old. You know, you're putting him in a very small tank. You know, (laughs) a step stool. Yeah. 
Put him in a bigger pool and see yeah. how he does, you know? <laughs> see, like, see if he can separate the whites and the grandma For the six-year-old, I wash and dry them, but then just give her the basket. She's yeah. got one. You can choose to fold. I don't care if your clothes are folded. I truly don't. Just put them away. <laughs> yeah. I think yep. women, or, or I think our listeners, if there's maybe one takeaway point, it's that we should treat our uh, families just like another business that we are running and make sure the employees are adequately praised and trained and rewarded and mm-hmm. make sure you are also sufficiently rewarding yourself and compensating yourself. And, you know, oh, oh I know the word is delegating. Mm, yes, so it is. I'm just so that, that word. That's business. crazy. It's the direct opposite of martyrdom. Martyr. It's like having a social media person has been a game changer and being able to just pass something off and be comfortable and confident that, that it's going to get taken care of. It's like a weight of your Mm -hmm. chest Mm -hmm. that, you know, reduction of the mental load that we carry with us all the time. Yeah. And we can't forget ladies, gentlemen, whoever's listening that the people that we're tasking these things to whether it be at home or in business, oftentimes they're waiting for that. Oftentimes, many of us are waiting for permission to have something that is meaningful to do. I've been in the position of both, right? When I was younger and also in the business world, like I want to feel like you trust me to give me the responsibility to do something. Your kids, as they're developing, they definitely want that. No matter what, the parent of a teen tells me their teenagers still need to feel some sense of accountability because it aligns with a sense of purpose and responsibility. And they need to learn those skills to be successful young adults. But same goes to the people who you might have on your teams. They want to shine. They want that opportunity to see what they can do and they want to expand their capacities. So if we're not delegating and we're not empowering them to eventually level up in life, Yeah, I did it. I did it. Listen, guys, if we're not empowering our people, I don't want to make anybody feel left out. If we're not highlighting, we're not highlighting the things that we need from other people, then we're not helping them grow and be future better versions of themselves. All right. Well, I mean, that was just, that was a beautiful statement, right? You just, like I I would drop my mic, but it's suspended by a, a thing. So I can't drop it. I grew up in a Navy family. Not just, not just Navy, but the like top gun fighter pilot community. Everybody was a man, right? Like it was masculinity left and right is all that I saw. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. I remember you mentioning you have a brother and I was thoroughly shocked. That must've been like an entire celebration within and of itself, right? Right. That a male pilot had a son. A son. Oh my God. I know. If you do not know, Jessica, male fighter pilots very rarely have sons. I know one that has two sons and one daughter. Huh. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's always the anomalies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Right? I I think it has to do with their white chromosomes just settling at the bottom of their scrotum. (laughs) Oh. I I didn't know that to be a fact. Yeah. Um, Centrifuge and all that G-force. I almost think of it as a very like, 
I just like, I don't want to shit on, on the Navy community. I love our Navy. I love the military. It was very Stepford wife when I was growing up. I know things have changed, but when I was growing up, it was male fighter pilots. There were not female fighter pilots when I was growing up. And almost none of the wives had jobs. They were home takers. What's the word? Home, home, home makers. makers. No. Home, home takers. I'm, I'm so glad that you don't know that word. Stole people. Wait, they build houses? No, they stole people's home. And to me as a child growing up, felt very Stepford wife. And I felt like that is maybe what I was supposed to do, right? Like my worth was based off of how like pretty I could be and how like your pound cake was how good my pound cake was but at the same time going back to that quote that that I was talking about Jessica had so this is what was being demonstrated to me but I had parents who were telling me you can be literally anything you want right so it was very conflicting so in my head I had this idea that I could be an orthopedic surgeon and be the perfect, you know, home taker. So home you know, taker. What do you mean? Home. What? Your home wrecker? Oh. Home maker. You'll never know. No, home maker. We <laughs> <laughs> um, it would be home breaker. I like to keep the audience guessing. So, you know, when, and then I was told by doctors that I would never be able to have children, which was obviously a lie. I have three children. So I went to college and I was like, well, I'm going to be a doctor. I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. I went through exercise science, pre-medical track. And then my last week of college decided that I did not want to be a doctor and got pregnant two weeks later. So probably a good thing that I didn't go to medical school after that. I know people do it. I know people have kids in medical school. Hats off to you. That is freaking crazy and amazing to me. So then here I was in this position of being a very young and unexpected and unmarried mom. And I'm like, well, what do I do now? I'm, I'm just a mom. So I took the job that in my mind, right? Like I thought, well, now I have a child, like I don't have career options now. Right. And I ended up having to work because we needed money. So here I was with, you know, a, science degree working as a gymnastics teacher for six years and that whole time feeling like I could do and be so much more but because I'm a mom I don't have other options right because can we talk about for a hot second how expensive daycare is it's really oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how expensive is it unfairly like a thousand dollars a month for three days a week mm-hmm. yeah one more reason why I have dogs Mm. for three days so you can have a part-time job where you need to make at least x to cover y and hopefully have a surplus to make it worth it at all and and then let's Mm -hmm. be real like if you're trying to climb the corporate ladder you're not working three days a week so i guess covid was not a good thing overall but it did allow me to start my own business where i then am using my degree in exercise science which is a very male dominated field And I have found that my advice is not taken as seriously as 
Justin's or any male counterpart. Like on Facebook groups, people will ask for tips on powerlifting or what it's typically when it comes to lifting. And I'll give this very like solid answer. And they're like, no, no, I don't think that. And Justin will come through and say the same exact thing. And they're like, oh, thank you so much. This was solid advice. And he'll be like, that's literally what my wife said. Mansplain. It's a thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it is just navigating the world of, of understanding too, that there will be those people that don't take you seriously because you are a woman, but having those role models, just like you said, Shweta, like, I don't know if either of you are familiar with Molly Galbraith. She is the, yes, she is the owner of Girls Gone Strong. And she is like, for sure, my role model, right? Because again, getting into this industry too, you see a lot of people who are just absolutely shredded as coaches, no body fat. And like, I'm just, that's not me. That's not where I want to be. That's not how I want to live my life to look like that. Right. And then there's Molly Galbraith, who's just strong and beautiful, but not shredded. And she pushes strength and so much more than, than weight loss. And she's, you know, she's a CSCS certified strength and conditioning specialist, which is a very prestigious certification in the exercise science world. So seeing women like her in the field really pushes me to not back down when I'm getting shut down by men or yourself or myself, because I do, I do question myself and the imposter syndrome gets strong within me. The number of times the three of us have not concurrently, but at least sequentially threatened to just close up our shops and toss the keys away. And then in the next text sequence, we're back on it because none of us have a brick and mortar. So right, what the, these are the virtual keys? Delete that dub 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 and give that domain away. Seen in Zoolander when they're like the files are in the computer, and then we just like smash our computers. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that cloud. My Where younger cloud? listeners, if you don't know the old movie Zoolander. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that's Zoolander. Yeah, well. Thank you guys for your amazing answers and some insight into how being a woman has affected your career choices and the choices and decisions you've had to make within your careers when it comes to asking for things or not asking. This has been Ashley Rockner hosting Miss Labeled. We are out. Beautiful job. Bye-bye. Have a fantastic week. Thanks for tuning in to the Mislabeled Podcast. Be sure to hit the follow button after you finish leaving us a review. Till next time.